Weather Powered Hour on this week's show, we talk about the $140,000 camel, which is better than 90 or the 110, and we're joined by Jeremy Hart, journalist, adventurer, explorer, and all-around great guy. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. I'm Stephen Barris, mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. You can find out more about my cars and what we're working on at thebarriscollection.com or check us out on Instagram at thebarriscollection. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Ike Goss. Thank you to everyone joining us today. I'm the deafening gearbox wine to Stephen's 20-speaker Meridian sound system. I'm the incessant drone of bad life choices. Ike Goss. I own and operate Pangolin 4x4 in Springfield, Oregon, where we live and breathe Land Rovers. Check us out online on Facebook, Instagram at Pangolin 4x4. Let's get started. All right, Ike. We are back again. And uh, just to uh, start off, uh, we ended last episode, which as I imagine most of our viewers save up 20, maybe 25 episodes and binge them all uh, over a, a long, sleepless weekend. Um, we stopped when the camel trophy truck on Bring a Trailer had about five minutes left to go. We actually, we considered continuing to record the episode, which would have meant we would record it for another two hours because it just kept... It just it, kept going. Holy moly, did that thing yeah. keep going. And I, I believe... Um, your estimate was in the 70,000 range. Mine was in oh, the yeah. 80,000 range. We were off by almost a factor of half. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that that thing really ran. It really went. Tremendous uh, t- tremendous bidding on that uh, discovery. I, uh, you know, nothing like a 30-year-old SUV to really bring out the bidders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's uh, you know, I you know, I, I don't know and now I've heard of course this is sort of stoked the fires of those folks who own Camel Trophy vehicles. I think there oh, yeah. uh, you know, there may be a, a little rash of sales uh in chatting with our our good friends over at uh, at Rover Talk over Ivan and Dan. I think next time because I think everybody in the the Land Rovering world was watching the Sox the same time next time we're gonna do a live stream we're gonna do a play-by-play live oh, yeah. stream like it was a like it was olympic tennis i like think a five and hour marathon it's exactly right we're all gonna get on an instagram live <clears throat> and we're gonna we're gonna abc uh sports that that sucker i'm gonna i'm gonna have to practice my auctioneering voice oh it's gonna be great I think the next, I think the next, hey, I think that's uh, the next, uh, the next one that someone wants to sell. I think they should, they should sell through the podcast here. Uh, much, much wider distribution, much, uh-huh. uh, you know, much, I think more uh, active audience. It's a uh, great idea. Trigger, right? It's a great idea. It's what everybody's and you, doing. And you could bid. And I could, yeah. You could bid. <laughs> That'd be great. You need another Camel Trophy discovery. Yeah, I need another Camel Trophy discovery like I need to get punched in the face. That's, uh, that's so a lot. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> a lot of very punchable. Very punchable guy. Um, so on from that, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. Is this the top-selling Camel Trophy truck ever? We've yet to see a, a Defender um, example uh, Camel Trophy uh, car come across the block. I think that will be 
very interesting to see um, if one of those comes up in the future. That could be even more. I mean, are we going to get a quarter million dollar uh, camel trophy truck? Does that mean that it uh, has um, sort of hit the space of legitimate motorsport collecting? Uh, I don't know. I guess we'll just have to see. I mean, I guess that's a that's a moving target, right? What do you yeah. uh, consider as uh, a legitimate, you know? Yeah. yeah. And 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 legitimate motorsport. Yeah. I mean, I that's a question I I uh, I need somebody to answer who's been on the Camel Trophy. How legitimate one. is the competition? Like, How do they keep score? What do they do? They vote on the winner. Like, well, it's not a point to point race, right? Like you, you're in luck because today, in just a just a short. Just a short few moments. Brief moments away. Brief yes. moments away. Our guest is Mr. Jeremy Hart. Legendary, what? legendary journalist. How did we get him? How did it we get was, him? Uh, we have uh, kidnapped uh, members of his family. No, Does no, he? has no idea. No, <laughs> he thinks uh, he thinks this is an episode of Top Gear. And so uh, we've, we've uh, so please no one mention it. <clears throat> Until the episode don't, has come don't out, tell him. Uh, yeah, don't tell him. But uh, yeah, of course, Jeremy has been on uh, many, if uh, if not most, of the camel trophies, including the one with boats, which uh, which is, is I'm sure a fun conversation, as well as any number of amazing cross country, across uh, many different country uh, expeditions and rallies and things. So we'll talk to him about that uh, coming up in just a moment. But before that, I, I wanted to just quickly touch on because this is a, a personal argument that is happening uh, in my family as well as I think of many families and there was an article that I read this week about mm-hmm. the Land Rover Defender the new Land Rover Defender the McGovern um, being okay. uh, better better as the 90 than it is as the 110 that the one you should be buying is the Defender 90 of course you can't buy any of them because they're sold out everywhere and especially the 90. This 90 is even more sold out. But that imagine a world where you could buy them, that you should be buying the 90. So much so, in fact, that uh, there was a design award uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago that awarded the Defender 90 the, uh, the, top, the top designed car in some made-up contest of some sort of thing. But it seems to be that people are really keying in, uh, keying in on the car, even though it's missing uh, two doors. Uh, what do you think? I have thought this from the beginning, uh, from when we saw them unveiled in um, Palm Springs, that the 90 was yeah. a better looking vehicle. And, uh, you know, I think it has to do with the proportions, you know, yeah. in my personal opinion. You know, the 90 has a short overhang, you mm-hmm. know, traditionally. Mm-hmm. And um, it, that's that's still true of the new 90, but it is not tr- – I mean, it is also true of the 110. So the 110 doesn't look like, you know, proportionally – the traditional 110 vehicle in profile, right? Right. Like in an elevation. So, you you know, you had that space over the rear wheel in a 110, which which we kind of talked about when we talked about the 130. You know, the 130 does have that overhang. And so proportionally, it looks more like a traditional Defender product. Um, I think the the 90, you know, retains that look and it doesn't have the signature panel. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. just a few elements make it look more traditional Defender. Like it would be easier to style it in a retro way that would make it make it look like an older defender. So I think people are responding to that. I agree. And I, I've seen some folks who have gone through and done a, a sort of, you know, accessorized, retroized, if you will, um, Defender 90. 
And it does look pretty good. I have to say, uh, you know, the, I've seen one with the black roof, especially the uh, the wheel flares, the 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 fender arches, uh, the plastic fender arches. Just give it that you know sort of hint of classic Defender. That yeah. I almost wonder if it wasn't a mistake to not include those as the as the standard and have a oh, fender arch remove as an option um oh, yeah. you know uh, because they do really i mean it's it's funny how something's just just little like that right really sets the car in a sure. different stance it gives the side of the car a much different look and much like the series 3 versus the the you know the the Land Rover 90 rather i guess and the Defender the addition of those wheel arches onto the Defender is kind of standard and at one point they just you know they stopped not having the wheel arches right they were just painted body color but they've always sort of had them that's a big differentiator between those cars i think that's that's one of those elements that especially on the white car with the black uh, fender arches, that starts to really look, uh, you know, like my, if I have a white Defender 90, that starts to really kind of give you the impression that it, yeah, that these two cars sort of are some, are somewhat related. Yeah, I think for me, it's the, it's the blue with the mm-hmm. white roof yeah. and uh, the black fender arches that some people have done. That really uh, sets off that traditional look for yeah. me. Um, yeah. The steel wheels for what they got too many holes. We <laughs> talked many about, holes. We've been down this too road. Many holes. They got, too many holes. They got yeah. like 150 holes in yeah, them. They got and so holes. I don't know. That doesn't mm-hmm. that doesn't do it for mm-hmm. me. Well, I do believe the Jamie Oliver butter churn option will be available uh, as a uh, as a dealer installed option later on this year for the defenders. So that's a uh, no holes there because the butter would get out. So that's true. That's true. Yeah, they 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 can't do like a normal trailer hitch. They have mm-hmm. to use that like phallic hitch. That yeah, they, yeah. But the, but they have a butter churn option. But they got the butter churn option. Yeah, they can. <laughs> but you can you can tow with a a Skoda eight thousand pounds with that hitch. But eight thousand uh, pound hitch, like Dongus hitch on the back of your Defender. It's but not ridiculous. one pound more. Not no. one pound more. No. no, 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 certainly not. Yeah, I um, I you know, it's funny that you say the blue with the white roof because like. I'm really torn. Do I blue with a white roof? Do yeah. I have a black with a white a black uh, roof with a white body to sort of match the the Defender 90 that I have, or do I get the white roof with the with the blue? Because you know my my original stage one, my first ever Land Rover was that color combination, mm-hmm. and so it's super nostalgic. I love. I love that blue with white. It's the most Land Rovery combo. It's um, great. You know, I also kind of like the the sort of um, that sort of pastel green color that they have is kind of neat. Um, they have some neat colors, and they tend to just look better on the ninety. Like it's interesting, and oh, I don't yeah. know because the glass sort of separates the roof from the body in it in a little bit more elegant way than the one ten. But yeah, I don't know, and I hear. It's not I haven't tried it. I'm going to have to go. Maybe I'll I'll go down to one of our local dealers and try this out. Maybe I'll take a video and I'll put it on Instagram. Um trying to get into the back of the 90. I don't know how difficult that is. Of course, we only have one one, you know, little 7-year-old and she's uh, you know, like a spider monkey, so I I don't think it's would be difficult for her to get back there. But like, you know, if we had to throw Linus in the back of that thing, um, you know, is it possible? Can a full-size adult actually get into the back of the 90? Does the seat come far enough out of the way? You know, and I guess if you're doing that every day and like you're, you know, you have a family of four, you know, uh, with two teenagers or something, the 90 may not be practical because, you know, flipping the seats up constantly to get people in the back, um, that probably doesn't make sense. But at the same time, I don't know. I think it's kind of a neat 
vehicle. Now, I do know there's absolutely no cargo space behind those rear seats when you have the rear seats flipped up in the 90, just like the modern 90, you know, just like my 90. There's no, if you had that bench seat in, which I, I don't, but if you had that bench seat in, there's no cargo space at all um, with the seat down. So, I don't know. Uh, you know, I think that the, the, um, the wheelbase really helps that proportion as right. well. You know, it's yeah. a 100-inch wheelbase, for those yeah. of you that don't know, on the Defender 90, which makes all kinds of sense. Yeah. And then the the 110 is actually like 120-ish, yeah. something yeah. like that. Um, so that, I think, helps with the proportion because the car's wider, yeah. the car's taller, the car's bigger in most dimensions. And yeah. so when you couple that with the, you know, shorter wheelbase of the, uh, the 90-100, yeah. I think it looks more traditional. Now, uh, let's go back to the marital discord that you're experiencing. So what is is your position? Well, I'm fairly staunchly 90 because of all of the things we've just talked about. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think Liza, my wife, she's much more 110 uh, because of practicality, you know, because of getting, um, you know, Cooper, our daughter, in and out of the back, because of loading up gear to go camping, because of all of these things, um, which makes total sense, to be fair. And... Unfortunately, the P400E, which which will come to the United States at some point, the P400E, it does not, unfortunately, uh, come in the 90-inch wheelbase. It only comes in the 110. So you can't get the hybrid car uh, in the 110 or in the 90. And so, you know, the question is, well, then I, you know, I don't know, because we really did want the plug-in hybrid. That's, a, you know, uh, trying to be as environmentally responsible as possible with a fleet of old diesel and gas burning Land Rovers. You know, the new one should, you know, be, uh, be a little bit more fuel efficient, but you can't get it in the 90, which is, which is kind of a bummer because I think that's, that's where you'd want that car. You think so? Yeah. You know, usually when you talk about something that is um, more sustainable, you think about something that's uh, maybe a little smaller, maybe a little lighter, maybe a little yeah. more efficient. Yeah. And uh, yeah. if you can't get those features in the smaller version, I think that's a missed opportunity personally. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Well, we'll have to see uh, what, uh, you know, what happens in the future, what car I end up buying, if any at all. Um, And uh, of course, the next car up is not a Land Rover. It's a Ford Lightning. So uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to. Oh, I know. I know. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Um, But, but again, huge deal, huge get. Please don't tell him that this isn't uh, top gear. Um, but coming up right now, we're about to start up the interview machine, uh, fill it full of uh, maple syrup, which was just coincidentally, uh, extra maple syrup had to be released from the Canadian uh, Reserve. Strategic uh, Reserve. The Strategic Reserve. Uh, it's a sign of the end of days. You know, yeah. when we tap into the Strategic Reserve, uh, of maple syrup, uh, it is one of the signs of the apocalypse. So, at any rate, uh, let's uh, let's gas her up with uh, with the finest grade A maple, and uh, and let's get Jeremy dialed in. All right, looking forward to talking with him. Yeah. All right, so we are uh, here. Finally, hugely anticipated on Ike and I's uh, part um, ever since uh, we bumped into each other at uh, Bob Ives Farm in the middle of, if I had to describe it to you and my life depended on it, England, I couldn't. There's no way I could draw a map to Bob Ives' uh, place. It's, it's by some hedges. Third and, hedge. Yeah. You know, sort of south of England, south of London, by some hedges. Um, the incomparable Jeremy Hart, journalist, 
adventurer, uh, collector of, of machetes, uh, all around amazing gentleman. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us, uh, Jeremy, this, uh, this morning, afternoon, evening, and uh, such a thrill, such a thrill to have you. Well, I'm delighted to be here. It was great to meet you guys in England. And yeah, he was the third hedge on the left. And um, yeah, it's, that's about accurate. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, now, yeah, man, what a uh, we finally just happened to drive by a driveway and like, oh, there, there's a bunch of camel trophy trucks down there. Quickly turn left, uh, and didn't manage to get our Skoda uh, high centered uh, on the farm. So that was a uh, uh, personal, personal best, personal best Skoda off road trip. You did almost run over that fellow who was uh, in a sleeping bag in the middle of the parking area. Yeah, our good friend from the uh, Land Rover photo album just went ahead and just uh, just uh, bivy bagged under his uh, series uh, or under his uh, discovery there in uh, in the parking lot. So. He was canoodling with a drone. I'm pretty yeah, sure he was. Yeah, that's true. It wouldn't have been Bear Grylls. He probably would have been in a hotel. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. There was no no good hotels like so. Allegedly, 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 that's right. There's no nobody's ever panned to the left or right of any one of those shots to see that there's a Starbucks on either yeah, side. Yeah, I don't understand how those people on the production can take that seriously. Like he's eating a bat, and like the production crew is just sitting there eating Luna bars. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's good bat flavored Luna bars though. So it's, it's all right. It's all in. So yeah, look at the ingredients. We, there's probably a bit of bat. There's a little bit of bat in there. There's a little bit of bat in every Luna bar. That's, That's why we're in so. this pandemic right now. <laughs> it's a fucking Luna bar. That's exactly right. So, Jeremy, we ask everybody uh, a few questions just to kick things up, just to warm things up, if you will. So the first question we always start with, because I think Ike and I, again, are trying to figure it out for ourselves, this experiment in explaining why it is that we that we do this. But why? With all of the brands in all of the world, uh, is it uh, that you uh, are a fan of the Land Rover? Um, that's a very good question. I, I didn't grow up with them. Um, uh, we didn't have Land Rovers in the family, but um, when I started out as a journalist, I saw uh, an advertisement for Camel Trophy and thought, well, that looked fun. Um, so found the name of the PR and said, are you taking any journalists? He said, yeah, two. And I said, excellent. How do I get on? He said, well, if you can find enough outlets to take a story on Camel Trophy. This was 86 Right. Um, and at the time I was uh, about 21 and mm-hmm. uh, so found about four or five outlets to, to take a story on it and got invited. That was my literally the, my first relationship with a Land Rover was Camel Trophy. So uh, so your first time in a Land Rover was in a Camel Trophy uh, Land Rover. Well, not the first time in one because we, tra- we did training and everything else. But yeah, right, that, yeah, that was my first trip in a Land Rover was in a, it was Campbell quite the intro <laughs> yeah no, that's that, that, that's that's in at the deep end for sure as I think most people's first trip is down to the shops or something uh you know and certainly here I think most people's are back and forth to the Costco um but uh wow that is uh that is quite an intro so so given that then what is uh you know of all Land Rovers doesn't have to be necessarily something that uh you currently uh, have or have had but what is your what is your favorite Land Rover uh, I'm lucky. I've had a few. Um, I always fancied a, a, a Series One, but mm-hmm. you know what? It, it's it, it, it nice idea and all the rest of it. But having been in a Series One, it's it, yeah. it's if Costco is really nearby and the road is very smooth, that's great. But n- yeah. not not yeah. for anything else. Uh, I had a '97 NAS. I had a four liter mm-hmm. NAS mm-hmm. in the UK, which was very wow. very very unusual. Yes. Um, anyone knows they they were all automatics in '97. Yep. Um, mine was slightly different. Your friend of mine, Phil at Dunsfold 
mm-hmm. dropped a wolf, the uh, the military um, spec defender transfer box into it. Okay. Because for some reason, Americans like driving around at like you know twelve hundred RPM at ninety miles an hour. Yes, absolutely. And in the UK, our roads with you know need a little bit more um, get up and go. Yeah. So uh, the the transfer box enabled it to accelerate a little quicker, and I would regularly take Porsche nine elevens to thirty off the off the off the line, and uh, with a straight great. with a straight through exhaust as well. Oh, fantastic! Oh, that sounds like a great car. Yeah, I drove my NAS Defender here this morning, and it is. Uh, yeah, nothing. No one would ever accuse you of being uh, quick off the line in the standard. I sold uh, my NAS Defender because I prefer driving to Costco. Actually, I don't go to Costco in my Series One because I just like Series Ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was driving my Series One this weekend. You know, it is a. Uh, yeah, it is absolutely an acquired taste. If it was your, if it was your only car, like it is, Ike's. Um, you know, you have to have a certain, you know, disposition, a certain Sasquatchy and disposition uh, that, that uh, you know, Ike really embodies. Hey, then, I could do Sasquatch, but I just, I thought, I, you know, to be on uh, on Her Majesty's YouTube, that yeah, I would, uh, that I would, you know, not only give give the top a buff, but also go around the chin. Yeah. But I feel yeah. very inadequate up, up against you guys. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't make the ZZ Top um, audition. Yeah, we were that's accused right. of that very multiple times in the UK. It, yeah, it's funny. It's I think in the UK the only people that anybody has ever seen there with truly long beards, uh, with wizard beards, are ZZ Top. So I appreciate that. Good, uh, good guys, good guys. on ZZ Top. Yeah, they're good uh, American American legends. Uh, Rusty unfortunately just passed away just just a couple weeks ago. That's very sad. Rest in peace. Um, but uh, so at the at the end of the day you, you so you see sorry, the nas 97 nas is that uh you know is is that the only land or your own what other ones have you had no i've had uh, i've had quite a few i sold that stupidly somebody mm. made me a big offer and um mm. I, I went with the dollars or the pounds and uh mm-hmm. wish i hadn't so i'm mm-hmm. i'm in the market for another one if anyone knows one in the uk uh, get in touch mm-hmm. um phil has one oh. phil has also he has 97 freelanders if you're interested mm-hmm. yes you can kind of pick through there and grab Do i have to do I have to when they when they started putting Freelander on Camel Trophy? You know you were in trouble. Right. You know, I talked to uh, I talked to someone uh, yesterday. We were we were uh, chatting. Uh, Will Hendrick, who's a, an importer here in the United States, a good friend, a good friend of the show. We were talking about the the one the one Camel Trophy Freelander in the United States. And like, is that a thing? Like, is that a novelty to have that? It's certainly a novelty, but is it is it a collectible thing? Does it run? What about the what about the Camel Trophy Honda CRV? Oh yeah, of course. Ooh, yeah, yeah. The oh. edition Honda CRV. Yeah, but at and, least the Honda CRV was a bit more reliable. What? I, think, I think that's. I think that's. I think that's. Fa- I think that's fair to say. But it, I, I did the last one. I did the two thousand camel yeah. trophy in the boat. Yeah. I like a boat. Yeah. It turns out it was a lesson from a guy that had been um, arrested for um, drug smuggling in Miami. But I did a powerboat Ooh. school um, <laughs> in okay. uh, in Florida. Yeah. And um, ninety miles an hour in a in a powerboat, yeah, that was too, true Don Johnson style. So yeah. yeah, I like a boat. So Camel Trophy with yeah. boats was fine, just not the vehicles. 
Well, that's a good place to start, maybe, Jeremy, in the in the amazing uh, saga of you and the Camel Trophy, uh, nearly 20-year uh, history with the uh, Camel Trophy. Um, let's start backwards. Let's start with the boat. So um, an interesting place, certainly, to end the legacy of Camel Trophy, but I have to say, and Ike knows this well, everybody who listens to Zone knows this well, I, I, I covet one of those Camel Trophy boats above all things, because they're, they're just the They're the rigged most for your pleasure. Oh, they certainly are. Um, so what was that event like? I, you know, not a lot of people wet. certainly. Either, yeah, <laughs> one would imagine so. So yeah, it was. It, it was, was always wet. Mm. Yeah, and and so what? Like similar to the Camel Trophy, and that like special stages and the video and things on the 2000 event is uh, not plentiful. It's hard to get a really good sense of the event. So from firsthand, what is uh, what was your impression of it? Well, I think the the most amazing bit of it, and that it's very hard to. To, to get across on video is the fact that it ran between Tonga, Fiji, and Samoa. Yeah. Look at a map and, you know, you, you use, use your finger or, a, or a, a pencil or whatever, and you, you try and work out the distances between those places and right. put it somewhere familiar, whether it's, you know, the UK or uh, everywhere is bigger than the UK yeah. or, or the US. It's a big right. old distance. So some of, yeah. the, some of the transits you did between those places – in themselves were, were mammoths. So not right. to be underestimated as an achievement. Yes, they did the competitive elements of it and, and the boats were heavily involved. That's why they had those huge cages on them. If you've seen pictures of the yeah. Camel Trophy boats, they carried a lot of stuff. And those yeah. were very weak, actually. That, was, um, that, that wasn't that was a great design and they needed bolstering. Uh, not mm-hmm. for the first time. That, that happened in, in 87. We had to um, strengthen the roof racks. But mm-hmm. it was a lot. They were carrying a lot of stuff, you know. Yeah. Whatever it was, paddle boards, kayaks, geez, I don't know, everything. Shit, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was it was good to be the final one because it was different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was very fortunate. I did 86, 87, 88. So that was Australia, Madagascar, Sulawesi, which is in Indonesia. And then I thought, right, well, I've probably probably done this now for a, for a bit. So went away for a few years, let Bob and Joe Ives. Sadly, I wasn't there when they won in 89. Yeah. Um, and then came back in 94, 95, which was Central America and um, uh, the one across South America as well. Yeah. But by then, it had really, it, it, just, you know, it had started to soften up. And I think post 95, yeah. no disrespect to anybody that was on it, because to, even to get into Camel Trophy, you are a legend. Yes. Um, but Huge I think the, fo- the format by then had become very soft. Mm-hmm. It had started to pander to things that the original ones hadn't done. But the world had changed. If we think we live in a politically correct world now, the difference yeah. between, you know, the even the mid-'80s ones and the mid-'90s ones was hugely different. So yes. to finish with 2000 in the boats was great because you couldn't compare it to anything else. You couldn't go, well, this is better right. than – Better right. than you know the Trans Amazon in seventy nine done in Jeeps or yeah. Borneo in whatever it was eighty four which was so hardcore they had to helicopter the cars out you know right. all that kind of stuff so <laughs> yeah um, was it better than the Freelander and kayak event I don't remember what year that was anything is anything would be no I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay you know, well, I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I love most Land Rovers as you can probably tell but uh, Freelander is not high on my high on my list and you know. It, it did well for the company and they made some money out of it. But, yep. you know, uh, and, and now let's face it, you look at most, you know, crossovers of soft SUVs or whatever, you know, yeah. it, it was, it was a, it was a, a leader. It was yeah. a, a, an early, it was a pathfinder if you want to call it. And, you know, it was not that bad off road. By the time they finished the uh, Freelander, it was actually, uh, it was pretty capable. The early ones though were 
more car than, than yeah. Getting than. getting to the place where you would drive off a road is really where they succumbed. You know, to, to road. maybe they would be okay off road, but it was the just driving a car normally. Yeah, they did, yeah. they weren't they weren't great at that. They struggled. Well, here in the U.S., we only got the the yeah. V6 versions, yeah. which uh, in retrospect are are not well thought of. And so no, there's, I, I would say, in the whole United States, there's probably like a hundred Freelanders on the road still running and driving. Yeah, like, maybe. maybe they sold a lot of them, but it might be very eight. few. Yeah. My P8. Yeah. It, yeah. So I'm being generous yeah, because I, I never see them. Yeah, it's not great. I, you see them every once in a while, but never running, never running. I see them for sale. They come up every once in a while, never running. It's never. I've never found one that you could drive away. So. There's a challenge, Ike. There's a challenge. Make one run. There's a, <laughs> there's a challenge. We'll do that. We're going to do that. We're going to give Ike uh, two uh, two days and a Freelander. I couldn't you need do to, it. You need to drive out of the I woods. I no, Leave you in the woods it. with yeah. a Freelander. It's true. What uh, now? Controversially, some people, you know, compare the styling of the Freelander to the new Defender because it has that central, you know, grill area that yep. it protrudes a lot more maybe than the traditional Defender, which is quite flat at the front. You know, uh, what do you think of that? Well, I've, I've got a new Defender, and I've, I've never once looked at it and got, oh, oh my God, someone's going to think I'm driving a Freelander. Oh, no, um, now you're going to know. Ike's ruined. Yeah, now, somebody now, compared, now, now somebody, somebody compared it. What was the, there's a there's a Ford that you guys had. We never had it. Was it looked like an elongated kind of mini. Yeah, the Ford. Yeah. I think it's the, the Ford Flex that people Flex, yeah, yeah. compare it. Yeah, as yeah. in Funkmaster Flex. It is True. exactly that. Yeah, I believe he designed it. In fact, I think <laughs> he's he was a, 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 I, I, I've designer, had the pleasure yeah. of going to Funkmaster Flex's garage in LA, in oh, uh, New York. Yeah, and he was a, a lovely man. Lovely mm-hmm. man. So anyway. New Defender Freelander, I think that's I think that's harsh. I, I, um, you know, I, I gave up a twenty fifteen Defender for one of the new ones after seeing Bob mm-hmm. Ives, legend, Camel Trophy, yeah. you know, uh, winner from eighty nine, post a picture of him in one of the new Defenders, and I messaged him. I said, "Oh, is that some kind of freebie from Land Rover?" And he went, "No, no, I bought it." I went. And dot dot dot. He goes, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, as of August 2020, um, I am the proud owner, uh, no freebies, of a full drug dealer spec black on black. um, We've seen it. We were there. Yeah, I've seen it. It is murdered out. Yeah, yeah. It's murdered all the way out. Totally murdered. I've put a few tricks on it. It's it's got a front runner um, roof. Uh, roof rack and yeah. Melville and Moon um, seat covers, which are all South African stuff. Really good kit. Yeah, really, yeah. really good kit. So, Looks amazing. Uh, Did you. Funkmaster well, Flex uh, consult on the accessories package that, uh, that you had on your? It seems as though no, he no, didn't. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Mine, uh, and if there wasn't any mud on it, I forgot to put some on. But the, the, but mine is actually properly, you know, properly capable of going. Probably, go, probably, properly capable of going stuff. Yeah, had. yeah, yeah. So, no, um, I we we started this episode with a conversation about uh, the the new Defender, and uh, my wife and I are currently in conversation about do we have a ninety or a one ten, uh, and all of the uh, and all of the uh, the marital dispute that uh, that that goes into that because I I sort of fancy women? ninety. You know, well, does anybody really win in that? But uh, uh, I, I, hey, I, I'm going to tell you a story just quickly. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, is that no? We were on a holiday. We were on vacation in the in the Alps, and there happened to be close to the hotel we were staying a classic car auction. Mm-hmm. And my wife goes, 
you knew that was happening, didn't you? You just knew. <laughs> and I went, no, honestly, I had no idea that it was going. And this was mm, probably 18 years ago. And mm-hmm. one of my all-time dream cars is a Lancia Stratos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they had one for sale. And That's it was £70,000, mm-hmm. so about $100,000. And yeah. I, I was like, well, I don't have that, but for Lancia Stratos, maybe I could borrow it or whatever. Anyway, mm-hmm. unfortunately, uh, my little my son, who was small at the time, then went and told my wife, who then came and said, do we really <laughs> need a Lancia Stratos? <laughs> that is, they are now worth about half a million pounds. And yeah, right. uh, so that yeah. is the one and only time that we've ever worked together on the uh, on the. Uh, uh, family car buying yeah yeah no so go i for have the, to say honestly, go for the 110 the 90 yeah. the 90 unless unless you have no friends which i doubt the uh the the, the 90s is small yeah i like the idea of not being able to take anybody in my car with me and i can just kind of go off by myself and it probably honestly at the end of the day will be a 110 and that's because of the p400e here in the united states the hybrid is only available the plug-in hybrid is only available in the 110 and that's really something that we are striving, as I have a fleet of diesel and gas-burning cars. It's uh, you know striving to be slightly more environmentally responsible, and so that may that may just kick it at the end of the day, anyways. But uh, but uh, yeah, no, good to know that you're you're a fan, and and certainly uh, and Bob Ives is coming up on the show here soon. We'll have to ask him about his fondness for the, uh, the for the new Defender as well. I think initially design-wise and whatever, it kind of got a bit of a, a bit of a bad rap. I've actually always kind of liked the way that it looks, um, and uh, and yeah because you have a black one you don't have the signature panel uh on the side of the car that uh, that sort of sticks out awkwardly uh it's black with the rest what of the car, was so. geraldine thinking designing that <laughs> what was what was he he was on he was on another planet you know there we go maybe maybe it was on the same folder as the back of the uh of the current discovery i don't know <laughs> it could have been that's right exactly it could have been i like to think i like to think that there was like a design you know, that he was working with and he just like forgot uh, and like left a document over, like <laughs> on, open on his computer and like took a screenshot of it. And then he had a meeting and then he was like, oh, yeah, I meant to do that. Yeah, because that's it, it just it just looks like a sheet of paper with a little <laughs> Land Rover logo stuck to the side of the car. It looks like the the dealer's window sticker is like permanently attached yeah. to the car. Yeah. One thing that Ike has taken to do is signing the signature panel on cars. <laughs> so if he's in the parking lot of a, uh, you know, if your Defender is uh, parked up somewhere near uh, Eugene, Oregon, uh, you may get an Ike Goss signature across that. It's true. It's true. Do I go and look and check it's not there now? Because you, you, you walk yeah. right past mine. Make sure you didn't sign it. Oh, I carry true. a paint pen. It's yeah, true. Paint. <laughs> That's right, yeah. It'll make the car significantly less valuable to have that on, signature on there. It's, it's significantly less valuable. The price of used cars has gone through the roof. I've, oh. Mine is worth £15,000, so it's yeah. about $20,000 more mm-hmm. today with 10,000 miles on the clock than it was a year ago. Right, when you bought it new, yeah. It's the same here. It is insane. Um, we, we cleared out some new cars because it was sort of – didn't make any sense to keep them in the garage where we weren't using them. Um, you know, again, they were worth more than we paid for them. So why would uh, – yeah, why, why keep them around? No, it's, it is amazing. Uh, the whole – it's happening sort of the whole world. We were just talking. I don't know if you saw, Jeremy, here on the, – there's a, uh, an auction website here in the United States called uh, Bring a Trailer mm-hmm. uh, and uh, a, a Camel Trophy car from – um, what year was it? I kind of remember now off the top of my head. Um, anyways, a, uh, yeah, well, it, it would have been 92 because it was, uh, it was two door. The, um, 
the winning car from that year, the Discovery, uh, sold for a hundred and forty thousand United States dollars uh, just uh, just last week on that uh, website. So, uh, just I think the market in general for cars, be them used, you know, uh, be them daily drivers or collectible cars, has just gone has just exploded here in the last uh, in the last year. I think there's some idle time that people have to. Well, also they're just they're just not making cars anymore. Yeah, nope. nobody can nobody car. can make cars, so they're <laughs> just like a a, yeah, that, that is a bit of a problem. We're going to take a very quick break to hear from this sponsor. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you five dollars for every twenty you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. And now back to the show. So, Jeremy, one of the one of the things we wanted to talk about is your mini mini trips, and uh, many times people, uh, you know, you're lucky if you found somebody who's driven across the United States on a road once. Um, you would be even harder pressed to find somebody who's driven across the United States, uh, you know, fully more than once. And I would say it's nearly impossible to talk to someone who has driven across the United States many times, uh, not using any paved roads. Um, and so let, let's talk about that a little bit. Well, it was an interesting concept because I'm really lucky. I mean, I, I have been <laughs> starting in the, in, in 86 on, on, on trophy in Australia. I've literally been everywhere on every every continent in a Land Rover, yeah. uh, except yeah. uh, Antarctica, which um, had to do, unfortunately, in our own day. Um, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate, and um, you know, I've, I've taken Land Rovers most places um, on the planet. And I was doing a little bit of research, and yes, I spent a lot of time in uh, in the states. And um, fortunate, the only the only um, state I haven't been to is Rhode Island. So I must uh, I must correct oh. that, my my good friend. You're not missing anything. Oh well, actually, my good friend Mr. <laughs> Mr. Leno has a, has a property there now, so maybe I'll go yeah, visit yeah. him in his new house. It's just a state that you drive through on your way to another state. Yeah. I've read about these crazy motorcyclists who, over yep. a period of thirty years, yeah. have pieced together sections of trail, you know, mountain pass, farmer's fields, you name it, anything that yep. wasn't sealed and yep. pulled together what they called the Trans-America Trail. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it started in Asheville, which I think is North Carolina, That's um, right. and ran all the way across to your home state, Oregon. It's true. Um, Tennessee, down into Mississippi, uh, Arkansas, uh, where else did we go? Colorado, uh, very little bit of California, Utah, you name it, and finished on the uh, Pacific Coast in uh, in Oregon. So I called the guy that kind of put all this together. I said, do you think you could do it in a vehicle? He goes, well, what do you got? I said, well, probably do it in an LR4 at the time. Mm-hmm. That was, mm-hmm. he goes, mm, I think th- there's one bit that you might struggle with, but everywhere else I think you could do it. Yeah. So I went to Stuart Shaw, who's the head of communications for Land Rover in the U.S., Mm-hmm. I said, what do you reckon? He said, no one's ever completed. A, f- a few people have tried it in side-by-sides, and some people have done right. bits of it, but never the whole thing. And he goes, "Yeah, let's do it. So he put me together with a guy who I've known for a long time who was in uh, on Camel Trophy in 87 for the American team, Tom Collins, known as TC, yep. who's out of Colorado. 
Um, so he did the hard work. He did all the map work, and I came up with all the uh, all the stories, all the color, all the all the fun stuff, if you like, that we did on route. Because let's face it, a long journey is boring until mm-hmm. you do the cool stuff. Right. Um, so we worked. You know, we had to go with the route that was created. We couldn't suddenly go lots of other places, mm-hmm. and we ended up in some awesome spots clarksdale mississippi was one of my favorites i'm a big Mm -hmm. music fan yeah and it turns out that's the home of morgan freeman and Mm -hmm. he runs a blues club there so Mm -hmm. we got in touch um with with mr freeman and um uh with his friend who's the mayor of clarksdale um happened to be in clarksdale on the day that mr freeman was there and then we went and hung out with him went to his uh, ground zero blues club um and that was just, it was just epic. So it was a month of doing this, mm-hmm. a lot of finding great stories. TC did all the map work, and then um, we just did all this amazing stuff. And uh, Jay Leno ran a film that we made on his um, YouTube channel. So if you, if, you, if you Google Transamerica Trail and Jay Leno, you'll find the, uh, the documentary that we made. Uh, but it was, it was wonderful. And what I loved about it, and I'm – Ignore the accent, you know, I'm very well-traveled all, all around the U.S. Um, and the one thing I think most people, even Americans, would say is that a lot of towns end up looking very similar, partly because yeah. of the, you know, fast food chains and all that kind of stuff. This mm-hmm. was like going to America, as I guess it was like before all that, you know, proper right. small towns. We were welcomed like nothing else, particularly in the South. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe they mm-hmm. – maybe they, you know, like the British accent, but uh, they're famous for their southern hospitality. It's a thing. They were wonderful. I think I, I think I put on like twenty pounds just being south of the Mason-Dixon line. But it was um, yeah, naturally, it was a great trip and certainly a highlight of my career. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, and I think it's one of those things where, to, to the best of my knowledge, there are parts of that trail now that are are paved or are you know no longer. It's every day it gets a little bit more difficult to be truly off road entirely across uh, the string that all together. Yeah. Yeah. To, to be able to do that without hitting a a stretch of pavement. So pretty, a pretty amazing thing, uh, you know, sort of, uh, uh, you know, in the same way that you could never do an Oxbridge, uh, Oxford, uh, Cambridge, uh, Oxbridge, (laughs) just hyphenate Oxbridge. There is a Uh, thing called Oxbridge. Anyone that went to Oxford or Cambridge is it's known as Oxbridge. So it's the Oxbridge. Yeah. They, so the, you know, you could never do an expedition like that again because of, the countries involved and the, some of them are just completely impassable now for political reasons or or whatever. It's sort of you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, the the frontier lands of uh, of, of North America. This is sort of similar thing is happening where there's large stretches now uh, where you know you can't really do that anymore. Either the land's private or roads have been paved or or whatever. So that's uh, yeah, I have a habit of going to countries which soon after then close or have civil wars. So uh, there is a correlation. Yeah, so it's your fault. <laughs> well, I think, I think Syria had its own problems, but um, yeah. shortly yeah. after, uh, it, it it became no go. So yeah, those some of those may stretch back as far as biblical times, but others, it's impossible to entirely rule out the fact that you may have uh, incited. I'm old, but not that old. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, another uh, another casual interest, and then we'll we'll sort of dive a little deeper into the journalism aspect. But this is just. Uh, is something that I'm interested in talking to you about. Your replica of an 1881 uh, electric uh, 
trike i guess i mean sort of a precursor to uh to you know a, a car certainly certainly was was earlier than that but is a is an electric uh bike so so you've replicated this what what gave you the idea to replicate an 1881 uh, electric uh, elect, uh, electric trike well it, a bit like you were saying you know at one point i had three three vehicles in my in my driveway with v8s in and um, mm-hmm. i guess you know, uh, I'll always love um, things that uh, you know burn fuel and uh, make yep. a good noise. But one way or the other, we've got to go. We've got to go green at some point. And more recently, my my life has been spent coming up with and executing um, bit things like but the expedition across America. But also, yeah. I, I hate to use the word stunt because anyone that's worked in you know TV or films would think that's a fake thing. But all right. the ones that I've come up with, we've done for real. So, for instance, yeah. we put a Jaguar on a high wire over the River Thames, um, right. which was pretty amazing. We put a Subaru down a bobsled run in San Moritz uh, with Subaru USA, um, great bunch of guys. Um, and these kinds of things we're doing pretty regularly at the moment, and there's very few people doing stuff like them. And I was researching uh, a possible idea uh, with electric vehicles, and mm-hmm. just ha- happened across the fact, and this was February this year, happened across mm-hmm. the fact that the first ever rechargeable electric vehicle was a tricycle made in Coventry, of all places, mm-hmm. the, home, the home of Jaguar, yeah. um, but then modified by a Frenchman who put his own rechargeable battery and motor onto it and ran it down the streets of Paris in April 1881. So I was going, yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's that's in that that hundred and fortieth anniversary is in eight weeks' time. Yeah, so um, I love the internet. Found a guy in Yorkshire, in the north of England. Which, if you were going to Wales and ended up in Yorkshire, you got lost. Um, and he, <laughs> which builds... we've definitely done at some point. Oh, okay. I guarantee you. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely. Well, happened. next time you get lost in Yorkshire, go see this guy. He's called Christian right Richards, and he builds yep. replica penny farthings, all sorts of mm-hmm. Victorian bicycle type stuff. We would so call that a hipster here in the U.S. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> yes, but he's not made out of – anyway. Yeah. I called him. I said, could you build a replica of this Victorian tricycle and stick an electric motor on it in seven weeks' time? Right. And he went, yeah, sure. No so we got uh, some funding from uh, from an uh, electric van manufacturer called Maxis, mm-hmm. and uh, away we went. So he built it. We filmed it. And then even in the middle of lockdown, because you could still take transport between the UK and France, even though people couldn't go between the UK and right. France, we put it in a put this electric tricycle in a Maxus van, got it driven over to Paris, and on the 140th anniversary, rode it down the street in Paris where this guy, Gustave Trouvé, who had uh, done the original one, um, uh, did so. So that was it, really. It was... You know, it wasn't a big mega budget thing. It was just like, you know yeah. what? It's cool, and we're yeah. going to do it. And I'm really pleased. And somebody has now bought it from me. I've, I've sold it yeah. on, and uh, yeah. I, I hope it's gone to a good home. But uh, that That's was a so lot of cool. fun. Well, and I think that bringing back or reminding us that electric 
vehicles have been a part of our, you know, civilization, our culture since the inception of the vehicle, uh, you know, and and uh, steam, electricity, things like this had been power plants far before the internal combustion engine. Um, and that that's actually a fairly recent uh, thing. And that, uh, you know, the idea that, well, it can only, if it's a car, it can only burn, you know, gasoline or, or diesel, um, that, uh, you know, that's actually not, you know, not even remotely correct. In fact, they were, they were uh, alternate fuels far before then. And speaking of steam power, uh, what a great segue, almost as if I had planned it, uh, to your good friend, uh, Mr. Jay Leno, and uh, and a, a friend of the Los Angeles car community, to say the least. We uh, bumped into each other at the uh, at the Peterson's uh, Heritage Drive uh, rally um, over a, a few weekends ago, um, and my daughter, knowing no, it has no idea who Jay Leno is, obviously, but uh, had a great conversation with him about uh, uh, her little uh, electric power wheels uh, land rover and jay was uh, very nice and very very engaged and so uh, she said she'd give him a ride if he ever wanted to come up so i would uh, i would pay almost anything to see that happen that seems like uh, fun to try to get jay into that tiny little uh, little car would be uh, fantastic but i'm sure he would give it a go uh, if he could but so you write an ongoing article uh, that is that is always fabulous and, and insightful and interesting and, and a good take from both your perspectives on whatever it is that you happen to be talking about that given month. So where did that partnership come from? Where did that, uh, you know, sort of friendship uh, uh, start? Um, and, uh, you know, why do the, why do the weekly, uh, I'm sorry, why do the monthly article uh, with, with Jay? Well, part of my very long sort of background is that I was a writer for Car magazine in London mm-hmm. for, uh, for a long time. And uh, the editor, uh, this is when Jay was, you know, on the Tonight Show every night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, they said, there's this guy in America, Jay somebody, who's uh, apparently got a big car collection. You go to America a lot. Have you ever heard of him? I went, yeah. I said, well, I'll see if I can get hold. So I got hold of a number for, for the production office at uh, the Tonight Show and got the lovely Helga, who's Jay's long-serving um, assistant. Mm-hmm who is from Austria originally and sounds a little bit like a, a sort of um, a female Arnold Schwarzenegger sort of. <laughs> and um, she, she, she's a gatekeeper, a lo- absolutely lovely lady. And um, she goes, mm-hmm. so who are you? I said, I'm, my name's Jeremy. I'm calling from Car Magazine in London. And she goes, and I could hear her just having a conversation off, off, off phone, and it was clearly to Jay. And she goes, uh, Mr. Leno, we'll talk to you now. So I went straight through to him and he said, you write with car? I went, yeah. He said, oh, what do you want to do? So I said, well, I'd like to come see you and meet you and write about your cars. So that was it. And that was wow. probably 20 years ago, probably 20 years wow. ago. Wow. So that was it. And ever since then. Seems straightforward. We've been, we, we've, we've become good friends. Uh, we've done lots of travels together, you know, taking him to Japan uh, with Nissan and, and Toyota, um, getting him to travel around Japan on the bullet train. Yeah. Um, that was, you know, that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, he came over to Europe, you know, he, uh, went on top gear. He was the star yeah. in the reasonably priced car, uh, yeah. on top gear. So we've had lots of fun together and yeah. Octane, uh, classic car magazine, uh, mm-hmm. out of the UK, yeah. um, within, a, a, literally the first month or two of it being a thing said, do you think Jay would do a column? And at that mm-hmm. point, Rowan Atkinson, best known as Mr. Bean, yeah, um, big car collector, uh nick mason drummer with pink floyd another big car collector they all had columns so jay said yeah sure that'd be great and whatever we are now 18 years on 
you're still doing it. So I don't write it. Right. You know, basically what started with, um, okay, well, what, what do you want in this one? And I would throw ideas in and he'd throw ideas in. And, um, you know, it, it's Jay's column, so it was his final decision. So, yes, it's a collaboration, but what you're reading and, and, and hearing is is what yes, yeah. Jay says, you know. So um, I'm a, uh, a, a part of it, but it's Jay's column, and it's been an absolute pleasure to do it for so long. It must be one of the longest-running uh, columns of any kind i would yeah. have thought you know in yeah. the world oh That's great cool. and octet is such a cool magazine too like great uh, really interesting uh really interesting perspective and and some you know some different kind of things that yeah you know, american car magazines tend to be a little formulaic and tend to be driven i think uh a little bit more from the manufacturer's perspective than maybe the enthusiast or the just the casual reader may whereas british car magazines don't sort of i i don't think are quite as beholden to uh you know car manufacturers and the advertising that comes from those manufacturers um as as they are here in the states so i do i do really enjoy uh really enjoy reading uh, those and because i I wrote for top Top gear for a while and that that has to be the only car magazine that would allow a writer to write about porn stars in their cars (laughs) <laughs> that's right that that's was that, that 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 was a moment well i think that you know top gear you know now has again sort of changed a little bit right and that uh it's a little different than it was but yeah man there was a heyday uh for both the magazine and the television show that was uh was out of control we talked a little bit about the uh about the the porn star uh driving school um what, let's talk about that story quickly what uh so so as I understand it, that was not the original plan. No, I was um, I was going to teach Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols, well-known punk band from the yeah. late seventies, how to drive. Johnny's a big car fan, uh, lives in LA, yeah. but for whatever reason, had never learned to drive, never got a driving, you know, <laughs> license. Right. So a friend of a friend um, knows him, and the short story is that I got. Aston Martin um, to come up with a DB9 at the time for the car in which he was going to uh, learn to drive. And uh, Top Gear, uh, when you were learning to drive in the UK, you have Mm -hmm. to have an L plate on your car. And normally it's red and white. But Mm -hmm. if if anyone's ever seen the cover of Nevermind the Buzz, uh, Nevermind the, I can't say the B word probably, um, that album, uh, it looks a bit like that. So we had that all made up, turned up in LA. Um, and unfortunately, Mr. Rotten decided at that moment that he didn't actually want to do this. So we stuck. Quick interjection. Why does every scooter in the UK have an L plate? Everyone. <laughs> every scooter in central London had an L on it. Motorcycle Everyone. as well. It had an L on it. Because I think, uh, why would you want a scooter anytime after you just learn how to ride a scooter? Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, probably get onto something a little bit Because girls like scooters. That's girls why. Like scooters. Do they? Well, maybe that's, why, maybe that's where I went wrong. Yeah, oh, well. Different culturally. <laughs> anyway, different, continue. Yeah. Anyway, very, anyway, very, continue. Short, yeah. very short version of the story is that yeah. a good friend of mine, Bill Nation, runs Pro Italia motorcycle mm-hmm. dealership mm-hmm. in L.A. Yeah. And I had I just, a – just saw had Bill a, last week. He's doing excellent. very well indeed. Yeah, And his son He's, is working for Rivian. Uh, which is a, a real departure from yeah the ones the ones who copied our Trans America Trail thing yeah, yeah they, they did that right. recently that's although right. to give them their due you can now do it from the east coast so um, they did a little yeah. bit we didn't yeah but we, we commiserated because he'd, he'd he'd had a deal fall through for a motorcycle um, with a um, adult orientated um, movie mm. star mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I said well 
a car, you know, porn stars into their cars and bikes. Yeah, absolutely. Said, well, this guy owes you a favor now, doesn't he? And he goes, yeah. I said, well, how about he and a select friend of his um, come and be in our story about uh, porn stars and their cars? So we, that's what we did with the yeah. Aston Martin. Yep. And uh, the story ran in, uh, in, in Top Gear, and uh, I think the then CEO of Aston was not very pleased about the <laughs> use of his, the use of his, um, use of his car. Um, not what he envisioned. Other, not exactly, but um, <laughs> it, it's a it, it's a story I won't forget. But um, good times, good times. It's a whole new demographic, though. I think that's uh, you know I think uh, Aston Martin needs to drop a bit of the stodgy. I mean, they make an SUV now, so I think anything goes. You know, there's just uh, you know you can do anything now. I guess. I don't know if I. I don't know if I fancy the Aston. Martin. Yeah, we're uh, we're doing a really interesting film with Aston Martin at the moment. Yeah. Um, which unfortunately I can't tell you about because this will probably run before we finish doing it. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. uh, it's one of the old James Bond cars, and uh, that when when it's out, I'll tell you about it. Oh, I can't wait. Well, we'll definitely have you in again. So um, before we go to the world famous. Ike Goss, lightning round, uh, <laughs> hotly anticipated. Um, I just wanted to quickly touch on uh, on ink content, and as you sort of briefly mentioned, uh, cars on wires over the Thames and and things like that seems to be sort of if you uh, are so inclined and you want to put together a stunt, but like you said, a stunt that's actually not a stunt, but a real insane thing that someone is uh, is doing. Um, it, you know, is that sort of the idea behind uh, you know behind that venture? Yeah, so I, I, I run two two agencies kind of under the same umbrella. One is uh, Ink Content, um, to be found at inkcontent.com, I-N-C content. And the other one is Timbuktu Content, and Timbuktu is a place I've been too many times when I was doing the TV commentary for the Paris to Dakar rally. Yeah, And these things end up at the same place, that we come up with ideas that get lots of um, media coverage. Yeah. And not in a way that a, a PR you know, would do ordinarily. So we've put a Jaguar on a high wire over the River Thames. We put a Formula E electric race car on the ice cap in Greenland. Mm -hmm. Uh, Admittedly, after the the plan to run it on an iceberg failed when the iceberg exploded, um, that was, (laughs) that was a little, that was a little unfortunate. Hard to see that. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the Subaru down the Bobsay run and what we've been working on at the moment and looking for a willing partner, should anyone be interested is to prove the unproven that a, Formula One car or a car with a lot of downforce could actually drive upside down. We have a ah. solution to that, and we were going to do that in China at the time where this bug turned up, and now ah. we're all dodging, dodging the the, the yes. Wuhan flu. That's so, right, and we're we're already at Omicron. We don't have that many Greek letters left to go. I don't know what happened no. to everything between Delta and Omicron, but uh, holy moly. Yeah, so that's that, that's the day job, and we're very grateful to all the all yeah. the um, you know the the partners and brands that we work with to allow us to do these kinds of things. But it's super fun, and it means I don't have to bump up and down in the back of a Land Rover to to earn a dollar anymore. But um, yeah. that's yeah. Uh, that's the day job. Now you can just do that for fun. Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, without further ado, I think it, it, it always the most anticipated, certainly by Ike, if not by <laughs> anyone else, uh, a portion of the show and and uh, and my favorite because uh, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy's got Prepare his yourself with the we're, we're ready to go. Is <laughs> the ready. world famous known the known the planet over? Uh, Ike Goss lightning round question. So Ike, uh, take it away. Yeah, well, uh, if you haven't heard of the show before, Jeremy, uh, quick 
questions and uh, just brief answers, and th- there'd be a few. So uh, do your best, and uh, here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. We'll start with some easy ones. Gas or diesel? Gas. Ooh. Coils or leaves? Coils. Sand glow or bronze green? Sand glow. Continent with the best food? I hate to say it, but Australia. Ooh. Interesting. Ooh. They can't do bacon. Anyway, uh, funniest exclamation after a vehicular failure. Oh, sh- something like that. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty traditional. Uh, best way to remove gear oil from your underwear. Take your underwear off. Ooh. Mm. Doesn't get it out, though. Who cares? <laughs> Perfect. You did great. I love it. Thank you. All right, Jeremy. Well, hey, thank you. And like I said, uh, part one of our 29-part series uh, with Jeremy to get even into the top 10% of things that you've done uh, over your career. Absolutely uh, amazing and awe-inspiring. And uh, please come on the show again, will you? Will you, will you? will you come join us at some point again in the future, maybe when this new us? I'd, I'd love yeah. to, guys. You, you guys are doing an epic <laughs> job, and um, I'm, I'm pleased to be part That's of it. That's how we like to explain it. Epic. It is an, it is an epic amount uh, of... Uh, of nonsense uh, about a car that very few people care about, but uh, you know we are the few and the proud, and, and we really appreciate you joining us. And, yeah, uh, thanks so much. Well, thank you. Well, as uh, predicted, Jeremy is a nothing if uh, if not an absolute wellspring of stories uh, about porn stars. Phen- so. <laughs> Phenomenal, a gentleman and a scholar uh, about more than porn stars. Uh, yeah. Jeremy's great, and uh, what a wealth of expertise and knowledge about overlanding expeditions, uh, crazy vehicle stunts. Uh, really interesting guy. Yeah, super, super cool. What a uh, what a great show. So uh, coming up uh, here in the uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, we've got our incredibly uh, good friend and uh, I mean just amazing legendary individual Bob Ives, winner of the 1989 uh, Camel Trophy along with his uh, brother. Uh, he's going to join us. Um, we've got lots of great stuff, lots of great guests coming up. Uh, we haven't had a guest in a little while, but it's nice. I, I, this is great. I love I it. I look forward to the lightning round so much uh, that uh, <laughs> it uh, it was nice to have that back. Um, and uh, yeah, again, uh, check out the uh, Underpowered Hour shop. Big, big, uh, bigly, uh, bigly sales there on uh, the uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday. We still have some stuff left. We're restocking uh, for Christmas. Uh, but uh, but yeah, head on over there if uh, you want to get somebody again, someone you're not you know super fond of, maybe uh, you know uh, <laughs> you know like a general sort of casual acquaintance. You want to grab them something? Head on over to the Underpowered Hour Shop uh, mm-hmm. YouTube episodes. Uh, they're up there. They're on the old YouTube, and we're we're gaining followers on YouTube like it's our job. So uh, we appreciate those of you who have subscribed, and for those of you who just want to know what we look like, uh, you can head on over there. Uh, Trust to, me, you'll be disappointed. Yeah, or visit Ike at his home. Either way. <laughs> That's fine to do any of those Yes, I live in Valencia, California. (laughs) (laughs) In a cave underneath a roller coaster at Magic Mountain. So uh, please come say hello. Well, Ike, as always, it has uh, been a slice. Unfortunately, we ran out of time again for your review of Nando's, but we will absolutely uh, make time for that next week. Uh, In the meantime, I'm going to go and start my 18 81 tricycle uh, replica and I will see you next week I am looking forward to it alright Stephen take care the under
Underpowered Hour is produced by me, Steve Barris, and Ike Goss. Pavel Svartov composed and performed our theme music. Consider supporting the show on Patreon, and if you already do, thank you. Your support makes the show possible. For even more, check out our Instagram or Facebook.